A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve." and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord We're still reading in chapter 10 of Mark's Gospel, but the lectionary has omitted three verses between last Sunday's Gospel and today's passage. The skipped verses are the third time Jesus has told his disciples that he is on his way to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Notice verse 32. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. This verse is repeated almost word for word at the end of Mark's gospel. The women went to the tomb, found that the stone had been rolled back, And a young man, dressed in a white robe, said to them, You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He has been raised. He is not here. He has gone ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The women were amazed and said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Mark is telling two stories at the same time. On one hand, we're following Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. On the other hand, we're walking with the disciples who have returned to Galilee after the resurrection, looking for Jesus. Everything they got wrong the first time is given to them again, not to blame them, but so that they can get it right this time. This is a gospel of second chances. After the first Passion Prediction, Peter took Jesus aside to correct his theology. After the second, the disciples were arguing over who was the greatest. 
And today, after the third Passion Prediction, apparently James and John have decided they're the ones who deserve the front seats. Their request sparks the jealous indignation of the other disciples. Notice that Jesus does not rebuke James and John for their desire, merely indicating to them the sort of tribulations they will have to go through before inheriting it. It's the other ten who are given a lecture about the rivalistic nature of their desire. Three times Jesus placed a child in the center of the disciples, took the child in his arms, and embraced him. Jesus is trying to entice them to want to be the child seated on his lap and embraced by him. Instead of lording it over us, Jesus enters into solidarity with us, stooping to wash our feet. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. On our first trip to the Holy Land, we were in the old city of Jerusalem when we found ourselves on the Via Doloroso, the Way of the Cross. The streets were crowded and noisy, vendors were hawking religious trinkets, and multiple groups of pilgrims were praying the Stations of the Cross. It was chaotic and confusing, anything but prayerful. Only later did I realize that this was very likely the way it was in the time of Jesus. The city would have been crowded with pilgrims who were busy with preparations for the Passover feast. No one would have paid any attention as Jesus walked through the streets of Jerusalem carrying his cross. James Carroll, in his new memoir, The Truth at the Heart of the Lie, recalls a similar experience. On his first visit to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, he was taken aback by the rudely jostling pilgrims fighting for the best places. When he returned a few days later, he saw it with new eyes. Quote, I saw for the first time what it actually meant that Jesus Christ was a human being in the thick of human life. With all its chaos, treason, and ruined dreams, the Holy Sepulchre, as I saw it now, was a sacrament of Christ's part in our human condition. End quote. As the writer of Hebrews reminds us, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way. When James and John request that they sit one on his right and the other at his left when Jesus comes in glory, Jesus replies that those places have already been reserved. Later, Mark tells us who will occupy those places. And with him, they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. From the cross, Jesus shows the glory of God. They said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross, and then we will believe in you. But instead of a spectacular display of force, Jesus stays on the cross, and in apparent powerlessness, 
shows his power by forgiving those who are mocking and killing him. Real glory for Jesus consists in being deep in compassion, forgiveness, and graciousness. James Hillman suggests that if we look at our lives and ask ourselves what has made us deep, we will have to admit that what made us deep were not our successes or achievements. They brought us glory, but not depth or character. Depth comes out of our inferiorities and failures. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus offers his life to free us from captivity. But what is it that is holding us captive? When someone takes a group picture and they show you the picture on their phone, what's the first thing you look at? Yourself. We all do it. Jesus is trying to reshape our desire from me to we. Jesus is calling his disciples to the humble, down-to-earth way of servanthood, a life of genuine greatness, seeking to serve, not dominate, to descend, not ascend, to walk humbly together, not jockeying for the best places. The incarnate Son of God pours out his life on the cross for the sake of our liberation, our learning to follow him along the way of being a servant of all with humility, generosity, love, and grace.